0: This episode of Bushridge Breakaway is brought to you by the band Animist. They're a prog metal band from Brooklyn who happen to be playing this Thursday, November 2nd, at a, at Bar Matchless on Manhattan Avenue in Brooklyn. If you're a fan of metal or prog metal, you just sit around on Thursday night and you got man, I got nothing to do. Well, go ahead and see, go out there. Go see Animist in, in, at, bar, at Bar Matchless. Listen, I'm going to put the description for Animist in the description of the podcast from there. You go ahead and check out Animus. If you don't want to even click that link, I'm going to do you one better. At the end of this podcast, after the, the harmonica outro that we, for some reason, do every week, I'm going to put a minute of Animus. You can listen to some prog guitars and some, some metal screams and see if you're into it. And if you are, check them out. Say hello. Tell them Blue Shirt's Breakaway sent you. We're friends with them. And you go ahead and check out Bar Matchless this November 2nd at Matchless Bar Matchless Sorry about that, in Brooklyn. Uh, other than that, enjoy, guys. Let's start the show. Hey, Blue Shirt Breaker fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and my other host with me, Gregory Capelin. Gregory, boo-hoo. Happy Halloween. Say hello. Did you
1: add a syllable to my last name? I think
0: I did this week. Capelin. Forget- Capelin. Gregory Capelin. Hmm. Uh, it's been an interesting week Kapilin. for our, our our Rangers, my friend. Uh, it's, been, it's been a week. It's been a season, I think we could say. There's a lot yeah, to talk about. Season. I don't even have my notes really in front of me. I'm just kind of going go with it. Riffing today. Uh, I, mm. I forgot them, to be honest with you. That being oh, said, we went to the Arizona Coyotes game together. Uh, we have a lot to talk about that. There's a lot of rumors going around with Chris Kreider all of a sudden, which I'm not sure yeah. are fake or not. We just discussed, uh, off air. There is, uh, Buchnevich, who is playing the least of many players and is probably performing the best. And we also have, uh, there's a little birdie coming out. Mr. Brooks saying that AV might be fired this week. So we have a lot to talk about, but let's start with the most important issue is that
1: we also we should also mention we have a guest today.
0: Oh, we have a guest, that's true. Uh man, I'm gonna butcher her name now. I don't have it up. Where did it go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Namita Namita Nanda Kumar.
0: Yes, she is a writer for the Athletic and Hockey Charts. Is that correct? Or hockey graphs, cool. hockey graphs. And uh, uh, check uh, one it. of those, one now, of those. It's, it's hockey graphs, I'm pretty sure. She comes on and we talk about Philly and we talk about Philip Heedle. And we also talk about Leah Anderson and draft prospects and the the idea of swinging for the fences in the draft, which we might be doing next year, guys. Uh, stay tuned. Hockey,
1: hockey graphs, by the way.
0: Hockey graphs. that's true. Uh, and so that that's uh all, all to look forward to. But let's start with the hot topic. You and I were at the Arizona Coyote games. The the only game that the Rangers looked good this year in. Uh, and we had a woman behind us screaming the entire time, and she was gonna love, be love of my life, gonna be your all. future wife. So let's explain. You and I are watching the game, uh, having a great time. Mm-hmm. By the way, I want to thank uh. Uh, people who, uh, met up, met us with the game and met us at the game. Uh, it was very enjoyable or next time we're at the game, we're hoping to meet more people. So that'll be fun. And, uh, we had a woman behind us. She was screaming, shoot the puck, pass the puck, hit him every three seconds. And I have to say it made the game way more enjoyable.
1: And, uh, it was, I, I, I equate it to how my mom used to react to when I would play baseball, where this, this woman, just like my mom has a very basic understanding of good things that should be happening in front of her, but not a full understanding of the nuances of said good things. Um, and it definitely, she definitely needed the first thirty minutes of this hockey game to get properly liquored up to just let these things fly because she wasn't <laughs> doing this in the first period.
0: Oh no, Th- there was no yelling, and all of a sudden it creeped up like, show the puck like every five uh, seconds. And first,
1: first of all, I've heard. Just to nip this in the butt, because I don't want to be accused of anything. I've heard plenty of guys do the exact same thing who don't quite understand hockey. Oh yeah. So this is a very. This isn't sex us pod, making fun sex of anyone, podcast, as you of, know. This isn't us making fun of anyone for their gender. It's us appreciating the enthusiasm of someone who doesn't really know what the hell is happening in front of them. Oh. And I think it it, may, it definitely made our hockey experience
0: better. It was actually wonderful. Uh, I, I had a wonderful time. Then we met. Uh, we met a wonderful person next to us. I want to say. Uh, a, a, a fine lady was sitting next to us, and she had a gentleman with her, uh, who we assumed was her co-worker. This,
1: this and, is a very long way of saying Ryan broke up a couple <laughs> Thursday night at the Ranger game.
0: I don't think I broke up. Uh, listen, I didn't get her number. I think that's fair. Uh, and, uh, this, oh,
1: look, all I can say is okay. they were heated after the game.
0: We saw them after the game like having a serious face-to-face conversation after oh, she, talked to, talk, she talked to us a fair amount of the game. Is that correct, Greg?
1: This was again something I didn't really notice until the second period. Uh, But she definitely started. Let's let's put it this way: the guy said zero words to us.
0: Zero, and we waved like we we like nodded our heads at him as we walked by. I kind of was like, "Hey, what's up, man?" It
1: it it wasn't us trying to like corner anyone out of a conversation. It's this guy was he wasn't even looking at us. He was just staring straight at the ice in front of him, trying to. I don't even know if he was cheering when good things happened. Like I, I don't remember this guy doing anything. But sitting there with his arms crossed.
0: No, at all. And I was like, and she started chit chatting with us because we were laughing about the girl screaming behind us. And then I didn't, I didn't say anything to him. And then when we were walking out, they looked like they were having a serious fight. So yeah, um, not great. She knows, not great, she not. knows the name of this podcast, so she might be listening to that. So if you, if, if she is, what's up? How's it going? And uh, said, <laughs> what's up? Sup? What's Sup? What's and what's up? thanks, thanks so much for listening. Appreciate the download. Should we, should we actually talk about the game itself? Yeah, we should do that too.
1: Uh, That's very, very more hard. First of all. Incredible how this was the first game Ryan and I have ever watched together. I'm not just talking about in person. I'm talking any Ranger game, period. This is the first one where Ryan and I are in the exact same place watching the exact same thing.
0: Oh, it's never happened before, which when we brought it up together when we were at the game, we couldn't believe it. We were like, really? Has this never happened? Like, we've been on chats, sort of like on threads on Facebook. We've never watched a game together, which I don't know how it's possible.
1: Well, it's easy. I used to live in Georgia. Mm
0: -hmm. That, That was it. (laughs) <laughs> that was the key, <laughs> uh. But this was a great time, and listen, Buchnevich put on a show for us. Bunieves, who had the least ice time, was the number one star of the game, and yet we still we beat a team that had no wins. And because of that, we rode the hot hand of Pavlik into Montreal. Uh,
1: yeah, that that's a conversation we need to get into. Oh, we'll I just one. do. I do want to just point out that uh, I don't think Ryan and I have ever experienced such conflict in our lives than oh, no. when the Rangers oh, no. when Crider when Crider scored the first goal and it was directly Clendenning's Okay
0: so Adam Clendenning, as you know, the son of this podcast. Like our our true first the board. official,
1: The official NHL player of the blue shirts breakaway.
0: Yeah, like other than Tanner Glass, Adam Clendenning has our hearts. And we watched him whiff on a puck. Like looked at the puck, just whipped, did not hit it, and then he got taken to the net and just got scored upon and we looked at each other. There's a candid picture we'll put on, uh, of our friends took of us, of us like just freaking out because Adam Clendetting just got scored. We were so conflicted. Uh, I felt so bad for the guy because it's the one NHL player we've had on this podcast and he got absolutely annihilated on that play. <laughs>
1: as the play's happening, as soon as Clendetting whiffed on the puck, there was a moment where Ryan and I turned to each other like, oh no, was that Clendetting? And then we figured out it was Clendenning, and the rest of the player were just like, oh no. Oh
0: no, Clendetting, no! <laughs> and to make matters worse, it was his birthday. It was his birthday, Greg.
1: To make matters even worse, it was Kreider who scored the goal, who's your boo.
0: I love that guy. So, can we talk about this Chris Kreider trades thing real quick? Sure, let's um, do it. Um, so these rumors came out, and they were they were just rumors from what I was re- I was reading. But all of a sudden, you're saying they're getting a little more serious. Um,
1: uh, I would say they're getting more serious in this sense. Um, Elliot Friedman is the one who – I wouldn't say he's calling it a rumor. He basically mentioned the name Chris Kreider and mentioned the name – Edmonton Oilers and mentioned that there could be a match there. I wouldn't say he expects this to happen. I wouldn't say he's saying it's going to happen. It was more of Friedman connecting some dots. And when Friedman connects dots, it's almost like when Woj connects some dots in the NBA or Ken Rosenthal connects some dots in baseball. You, you take it a little more seriously when it comes to, from a guy like Friedman, just like you would take it a little more seriously when it comes from a guy like Bob McKenzie. Uh, And then the report out today is basically every higher-up in the Rangers front office, including Glenn Sather and Jim Schoenfeld, are in Montreal tonight um, to watch the game against the Senators. The assumption is they're getting a firsthand look at Galchenyuk, and every scenario that has popped up recently involving Galchenyuk kind of points to... Chris Kreider possibly going the other way.
0: I do not like that trade at all. I want to be very clear about this. I, I, it, would, it would have to include
1: another pick or a player, I would think, for someone like Kreider. Just because Kreider's 25 or 26, he's on a very team-friendly long-term deal. Uh, his cap hit is relatively low compared to other players of his talent and capability. If you're trading Kreider, Galchenyuk is absolutely a player you need to be receiving in return. Uh, but you also need more. And if you're getting Galchenyuk in return, you better have a coach that's going to fucking play him. And there's no indication the Rangers have a coach that would play someone like Alex Galchenyuk.
0: I, I just don't even think that trade matches up. I'm sure Galchenyuk is good. But Chris Kreider, you know, Drew wrote a great piece for us. The the, the end-all, be-all piece on Chris Kreider that breaks him down as a semi-elite player. Uh, or even an elite player on the Rangers. He's our top scorer from last season. I, that does not feel like an even trade to me, Greg. Like, they're playing Galchenyuk on the fourth line. How How is that correct?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, but we're playing Buchnevich on the fourth line. That doesn't mean Bucinevich is a fourth line player. You almost have to throw out what the Canadians are doing with Galchenyuk because it defies all probabilities in terms of how his career is going to play out. I mean, we had Andrew Zadonarski on the podcast well, not long ago saying how special of a player Galchenyuk is and... There's just confusion among uh, Canadian fans about why he's living on the fourth line. Um, so I, I, I don't want to hear anyone saying he's a fourth line player as a reason you shouldn't trade for him. Galchenyuk should be the, the main piece you're getting back from the Canadians. But I, I'm saying if you're trading Chris Kreider, you need more. And I think that's a fair take to have. I don't think anyone reasonable would disagree with that. I think a one-for-one trade of Kreider and Galchenyuk is a loss for the Rangers, for sure.
0: Absolutely. I I, I cannot tell you right. I, I would hate this trade. Now, Chris Kreider is my boyfriend. We've been over this. Like, he's yeah. he's my favorite Ranger. Uh, I, I love him. And I think his his top-line ability is just so much more than what Galchenyuk offers. And I don't want to trade because we have a needed center. I get that. I get we need a center. But is Galchenyuk the answer for us? I, I don't think so. Uh at all, I. Uh,
1: well, here's some things that Galchenyuk definitely is. He's definitely a player who can score on the level of Chris Kreider. He's definitely a top six center, and he's definitely someone you can build around for the long term. So again, he's the kind of guy you want as a headline piece back in a Chris Kreider trade. Um, you need more though. You need I
0: need a good prospect right. at I, least, I, like a really good, a, prospect. good prospect,
1: and or a pick. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what I've been saying, but. I don't know. I rebuilt this podcast on me having the hot take that trading Chris Kreider isn't is not necessarily the end of the world for the Rangers. And there's a part of me that thinks it could be fine. I but eighty five. If, if you run the trade through eighty five a uh, hundred times, eighty five times, it doesn't work out in the Rangers' favor. Um, and it's it's hard sometimes to take a step back and trade. It's just. We talked about this not long ago. In fact, I think it was last week, how if the Rangers really wanted to embrace a rebuild, they don't even have the proper team to embrace a rebuild. We, we don't we
0: have too much talent, Greg? Way too much.
1: Too much young talent. It's, it's one of those things. If the Rangers need to trade a winger to get someone like Alchenyuk back, I'd rather them trade JT Miller and more than just trade Kreider and expect to get more back. I, I understand at some point you need to trade a winger to get a center. And you can't just trade all your low A options in order to get someone impactful back. But for the longest time, the Rangers could and should be able to build a trade around JT Miller and prospects and maybe a pick to get someone like Galchenyuk in return. I would much rather do that. Um, Obviously, I wish there was a world where the Rangers could have Kreider and Miller and Galchenyuk, but it's just unrealistic. You have to give something to get something. I just, I don't think the give should be someone like Kreider, who you just signed to a long-term deal, who's 26, who's proven to be a top-line player who's scored 50-plus points before. He's 20-plus goals. He's he's a guy you build around, not necessarily a guy you trade for someone else to build around. So, yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't trade Kreider for Galchenyuk. I would see if there's something you can do with JT Miller and more to get that kind of player. I don't know if there is, and if there isn't, then you have to think long and hard about just walking away and realizing the move you should have made was one you just shouldn't have done, which is Derek Stepan.
0: I oh yeah, you should not have done it. And the, by the way, I like the Chris Kreider deal. It's not like an expensive deal. He took so no, I think I think
1: it's like what it's four point five, I believe. Yeah, it's four point five or four point six. It's somewhere in that. It's less than Zibanejad.
0: Yeah, and, and Kreider like he's he led the team in scoring last year, guys. Like he's he's the player, the offensive player on the Rangers.
1: He's, he's a bona fide top-line winger or top-six winger. He's guaranteed to be a guy that gets you 17-plus minutes a night. He's guaranteed to play on your number-one penalty uh, power play unit. He's going to score. He's I going to create I understand
0: chances. he's frustrating to, to watch. He gets really dumb penalties. By the way, that Pittsburgh penalty that came a while ago where he was like slashing he was definitely pushing to that guy, and that was bullshit. But Kreider, I know he's frustrating because he— Never hits its potential all the time, but like I just guys, I can't do that trade. I just can't do it. Would you rather trade, um, uh, Kevin Hayes or JT Miller?
1: Miller. And, I think I think Hayes. I think Hayes's star is uh, ready to explode.
0: I. Uh, this is why I, I made this transition. You and I were talking about Kevin Hayes at the Arizona Coyotes game, and Hayes has looked like a totally different player this year. Uh, he looks like uh, a man possessed. He does. He does this special. This I was about to say special move, like I'm playing Street Fighter. But he does like this this move where he does the puck drag, and he's the only Ranger that does that, where he can take the puck really hard to the net and just drag and, and make a sick move. And I just, I can't. That's something I haven't seen from someone else on the team this year. Like other than Bucnevich, yeah. Hayes has been the, the most impressive player.
1: He's been a bulldozer. There've been mo- the move you're talking about is we've seen Hayes multiple times take the puck along the boards from in from the blue line himself and simply outskate defenders and charge right to the net on basically a curve. Uh, he scored a goal that way. He did it again against the Coyotes. And you and I thought for sure it was going to lead to a goal. Um, he's, he's been unreal and it makes you think what Kevin Hayes could do. If you put Pavel Buchnevich next to him, Buchnevich has been the Rangers best. And if not the best, the second best goal scoring opportunity creator, he creates the most, he creates the most out of what he's given, which is on the fourth line, not a whole lot. And you put a talent like that next to Kevin Hayes, who's about just about ready to take that offensive step. It, it seems, by the way, he's been playing this year. Just let it go. See what the fucking happen. You you have a if you have a top line. Say you wanted the top line of Mika Kreider Nash, right. which has its advantages. A second line of Hayes Zuccarello and Bucnevich. Are you insane? That's, that's incredible. I, it's just a lot of the frustrations we've been having with Elaine Vigneault, which are plenty and the list is only growing, is the misutilization of assets he's committed with this roster. There is no reason for David DeHarnay to be playing minutes in the top six. And there is no reason for that man to be playing on a second power play unit Especially if he's not taking the face-offs anymore. The one thing you can say deharney has done well is win face-offs. But now that Hayes has been on the second power play unit, Hayes has been the one in the circle taking the face-offs. So why is DeJarney even on that power play unit? I don't know. Put VC out there.
0: It, it's, it's mind-boggling. And this brings us to... This has been a good transition podcast. AV, uh, apparently, might be on the ropes for the first time. Brooks came out and reported that uh, the ranger you know ranger management might actually be considering firing av after the game today uh, so a happy halloween trick-or-treat for us if that does happen you think this might already be done right well
1: you're right i wrote about this in the breakaway takeaways today which you nice can plug. read nice every plug. monday nice on our website blue when an organization says um x game could be your last that means they've already made the decision so now all they're waiting to do is find the reasonable excuse. So even if the Rangers beat the uh, Golden Knights on Tuesday and A.V. keeps his job for another day, there will be another game this year where the Rangers decide that's it.
0: Oh, it, and Greg, you, I have a hot take. Yeah. It'll be Thursday when we lose 7-0 to the Lightning.
1: I, I have no guarantee of saying we're going to win on Tuesday. So right. I don't, This team's bad. And the things that could improve this team aren't being done, such as – the defensive pairings, such as Bucinevich in a top six role, such as Kevin Hayes as your bona fide number two center playing alongside Zuccarello and Bucinevich, such as David DeHarnay being taken off the power play unit, such as – I could, the list is long is basically what I'm saying. Anyway, um, it just – the decision has been made. The organization says is now looking at a future without Elaine Vigneault, which means unless Vigneault wins out, which he's not going to do, the Rangers will have a new coach at some point this year and definitely in the offseason. You you don't just... A, a coach who is given an ultimatum never survives. I can't think of one coach who was put in a situation like this where you have to win or you're gone and has not only stayed the season but stayed multiple seasons thereafter. Can you? I, I can't think of a single scenario where that's happened. No,
0: nope, not really. Uh, it's It seems like Everyone's uninspired, Greg. The team isn't playing well. I, I just don't think they're responding to the message. And I, I know that's such bullshit analyst. I know what I sound like when I say that. But it just does look like that. It it, it looks like no one is hearing it.
1: I, I, it's it's hard. Slow starts to games for teams, which is what's plagued the Rangers this season more than anything else. Part of that, it, it would be unfair to put that solely on Elaine Vigneault. Because these guys are professional athletes. They've done it long enough where... These guys should be ready to go as soon as the puck drops. They shouldn't need a coach to light a fire under their ass. But at the same time, athletes are interesting beings. They're different than the normal human being. They sometimes need someone to tell them, let's get the fuck up. Let's go. Let's do something. And the message is being lost from the locker room to the ice, and it it seems like it takes the Rangers 15 minutes every night to realize they're playing a hockey game. Well,
0: and that's you look because we let these... up a goal like two minutes into the game every game. It's unreal. Some this, some, some, it, um, what I'm,
1: basically what I'm saying is I, I think 40% of it is on the players where you have to hold the players accountable for playing slow and s- sloppy to start a game. But 60% of it is on the coaching staff. The coaches, Their job is to prepare you for games. Coaching, coaching happens between games. It happens less during games, especially in the NHL. It's not like the NFL where you're calling a play – from the sideline yeah, every not. down
0: you're not
1: a lot a lot of what's done on a rink is done between games on the practice rink and in the time leading up to puck drop so a large part of the Rangers' slow starts to games has to be on the coaching staff think about it the rangers fought back down when they were down 5-1 to the maple Leafs. they fought back this weekend against the canadians when they got down three nothing early yeah this is a team that's shown they can fight back and it's been a struggle for them to close because they've had to do so much work just to get back into the game. And at some point you have to change something. If you're not going to change the players, you got to change the coach.
0: Well, you know, speaking of changing something, you know, when you, you have the hot hand of Pavlik against a team that hasn't won a game, you got to start him twice. Stupid. Uh, Unbelievable. How stupid. dumb can you be? Like, do you want to get fired? You have a legendary goaltender. Yes. I know he's out of his prime at this point. Yes. Yes. Hank is aging, and it is sad to watch as a Ranger fan. It just is natural. The time has come. The King's window is is waning or sort of over at this point. But can he still win you a game single-handedly? Greg, we've seen it this year. We've seen it happen. So why are we starting in a kind of must-win game to get this team going? Pavlik, who I've had a bone to pick with for a long time, even from the summer. I do not like him. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is about him. I just can't. I don't think he's a good goalie at all. And when... Sorry, Greg, and and no, no, no. Finish, finish your point. And, yeah, and, yeah. and the fact that when you're starting Pavlik instead of putting in your your Hall of Fame goaltender in a must-win game to get this team back on track, are you kidding? What is wrong with you?
1: Pavlik looked fine Thursday night against the equivalency of an AHL team. Outside of the Coyotes' top line, there's just not a whole lot there. The top line is great: Step on Domi and Clayton Keller. Who's Clayton Keller? is going to just walk away with the Calder this year, I think. He's been phenomenal. He's been really um, but there football. are other lines. There's, we we obviously love Anthony Duclair, but outside of him, there's just not a whole lot going on on the rest of those nine forward lines. And defensively, there's even more questions to ask the Coyotes. So Pavlik looked good against the team he honestly should look better against. To say that he's the hot hand because he beat a team dearth of talent is – ridiculous Hank probably could have had a shutout in that game the goals that Pavlik led up not exactly the no. most difficult saves he could have made no the, the fact that you're going to look to that performance and be like that's our guy it, it, i it, it's the fact that this hot hand mentality sometimes it makes sense you almost have to throw everything a goaltender does against the coyotes out the window don't even consider it a game it if Pavlik it, it's you don't get anything from that game. The only thing you can get from that game is if Pavlik looks bad. There is no way you can look good during a coyote game. It's like They're what, just not talented enough. What, what, to what is a, a hot hand? The ropes.
0: When you're when you're there's a team that hasn't won a game, you're like, wow, well, we beat the game the team that has no wins. Oh, let's ride the hot one. Like, what? The hot one? You just beat the thing team that, with no The wins. thing
1: that makes you question the decision even more is Hank's best game this year was against the fucking Canadians.
0: Oh, my God. Also the one
1: time the Rangers have posted their shit out this year was when the Rangers beat the Canadians 2-0.
0: And also, it's like a semi-quote-unquote rivalry. It was like one of the best series I've ever watched last season when we had 201 hits in one game. Let the guy play against Carey Price. He's a competitive guy. He definitely wants to play against Carey Price, which, by the way, that contract is looking awful right now. And and uh and Carey Price and him ha- obviously have a rivalry of some sorts. Let the guy play. He's competitive. There's, there is, there's no There's way. no
1: defensible reason for starting Pavlik this weekend against the Canadians. No Zero,
0: zero, Greg. And the guy, by the way, I just want to say this. Henrik, there's no reports of him being hurt. So nothing came out saying he was injured in any single way. AV came out and said, you know, he's fine. We're just going with the hot hand. And he's ready to play against the Knights. So that was AV's decision.
1: Yeah, and we shouldn't only let A.V. off the hook. The amount of beat – again, going back to this fucking thing with the beat writers. Brooksy was out there saying it himself, like, well, Pavlik should probably start over Hank. What the fuck is your problem, guy? Just retire. Unbelievable. I just People who think that Lundqvist shouldn't have played this weekend against the Canadians, I can't help you. I can't talk hockey with you. If you really think Pavlik was the goaltender the Rangers needed to play this weekend because, quote-unquote, he's riding the hot hand – we cannot have a meaningful conversation about the same sport because we're not watching the same thing.
0: No, we're not. And you could make this conversation, by the way. This conversation could have happened the last two two years when Ronto was playing out of his goddamn mind and when Cam Talbot was playing out of their minds and Hank was either hurt or needed rest. You could make a logical conversation to me why you should have played the backup goalie instead of the legendary Henry Lundqvist. This situation, Pavlik beat the Coyotes. The Coyotes who have no wins. I'm getting amped up.
1: <laughs> it it makes it makes no sense. It it made no sense when the, when it was announced. It makes no sense now. And honestly, the result of the game is what I would have expected for the decision that they made. I would not have expected to beat the Canadians in Montreal with Andre Pavlik in goal. As well, and again, I am not a Pavlik hater. I I thought I the signing is fine. Nope. because again, I feel like. Goal, backup goaltenders are a di- well. Don't ask the uh, Penguins this, but backup goaltenders in my mind are a dime a dozen. You can all—it's the easiest position in hockey to replace if your guy is struggling. So I was fine when Pavlik came in, but that doesn't mean I would have defended starting him in a game where it felt like the Rangers desperately needed a win when henry Lundqvist was healthy. And you know the thing that really confuses me is Avi had this easy excuse he could have used. He could have been like, "Look." Hank's knee still bothering him. We need to give him an extra day. Everyone would have been like, fine, then this is what we have to do. And the conversation could have then shifted to, is Pavlik the right backup for the Rangers or something like that? It was AV going out of his way to say, Hank is healthy. He's just not playing well. That I think really dug the knife in deeper for me. If Hank's hurt, just say he's fucking hurt. It's the easiest excuse there is. It's not even an excuse. It's just like, I mean, it could be an excuse because you, you can mask bad play under an injury. And if you say Hank's a little nicked up, we want to give him a full week off before we come back on Tuesday, I think every fan would be like, all right, that, that makes perfect sense. You're right. Start Pavlik. We'll see what we can do with what we got. It was the fact that he went out of his way to say, this is the guy I want in goal because I feel like when given a choice between Andre Pavlik and Henrik Lundqvist, it's Pavlik that gives us the best chance to win. That is the dumbest fucking sentence I've ever uttered in my entire life. Period.
0: It's I can't talk about this anymore, correct? Do you want to go to our interview? <laughs> well, let's see what
1: we haven't I guess Oh, let's do our, I mean, we, our we, we,
0: let's I, I just got I just blacked out. So, let's go into our national holidays real quick or do you want to talk about something else we haven't touched on?
1: I was just saying I I, I mean we we've said it once. There there still remains zero reason why Pavel Buchnevich is playing on the fourth line.
0: I yeah, free Buch, please. God damn it. He's so talented. This team is gonna is is having a losing season anyway. I know it's early, guys. I'm aware. Play the young guys. I need to see these guys develop. I just need like Pouchnevich. Just we watched him on the ice. Greg, we we talked about this on another podcast over the weekend. Uh, that yep. is uh, around the boards. are for David. Nice plug there. Um, and Pouchnevich, you asked me in the car. I was I was in Philly and I, I was calling in for this podcast. And you asked me, Ryan. What do you think the ice time for Bucinevich was at the game we went? And I hadn't looked at the box score, bad hosting by my my point. And I said he was probably top five. And you said he was second lowest. But he was the most noticeable player on the ice.
1: I have since since retracted him being second lowest. But players that had more ice time than Pavel Bucnevich, who you and I felt like we saw the most on the ice, just because his play was so noticeable. He played less than David DeHarnay. He played less than Michael Grabner. Played less than JT Miller, less than Jesper Fast, uh, more than Chris Kreider only because Kreider had the fighting major and racked up seven penalty minutes in the game. Um, Bucnevich only saw fourteen minutes and twenty-seven seconds of ice time against the Coyotes, and it was a surprise to me that he wasn't the number one star wi- at the end of the game. The kid, I get why it was Boo, yeah. but in my mind, it should have been Bucnevich. Um,
0: the kid's a fucking just put him next stud. Gray, he's a stud. Hayes.
1: Hayes, as great as Hayes has been, he's a better player if he's playing with Pavel Buchnevich. And as great as Buchnevich has been, he's a better player if you're giving him more fucking ice time with players that can capitalize on his talent.
0: God damn it. Um, let's, National Holidays. Here's our upcoming schedule. Uh, today, the 31st, happy Halloween, everyone. The Golden Knights is Carver Pumpkin Day. Carver Pumpkin Day is dumb as hell. Carver Pumpkin Day should be two weeks before the Golden Knights game. What are you doing, National Holidays? Sorry, I'm super amped up right now. <laughs> Uh, And then November 2nd, this Thursday, we're going to Tampa for National Men Make Dinner Day. And guys out there, treat your ladies to dinner. Don't watch this game. Go ahead because we're going to get slaughtered. It's going to be 7-0 by the second period. And A.B. is going to get fired that day. I'm calling that right now. Saturday is November 4th. We're going to Florida because we're in Tampa anyway, playing the Panthers. And it's National Skeptics Day. I'm skeptical this team is going to be good this year. And please follow along. It's going to be a wild ride. There you go. That's been my National Holiday segment.
1: We are, uh, we're now very much at a point in this NHL season where I go into every Ranger game expecting them to lose.
0: It's sad. It's really sad. I don't want to feel that way. I miss the way I felt the last four years. Uh, it's, yep. it's, it's been not fun. But we'll, you know what, Greg? We're going to be here every week no matter what happens. We're here for yeah. you. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we got that going for us. We're your therapy.
0: Nice. Stick stick with us. We have a great interview uh, with Amita Nanadakumar. I nailed it. And uh, we're gonna go to that right now. So let's transition over. Transition. We welcome on our first guest, our only guest for today. Uh, she is a writer for Hockey Charts and the Athletic Philly. It's Namita Nanda Kumar. Did I get that right?
2: Yes, you did. Oh my uh, God! First you know time in history. Battle, hockey graphs instead of hockey charts. Oh, but. sorry.
0: My my apologies. I literally wrote down hockey charts. That's on Greg. Greg, that's your fault. Ryan Ryan was so (laughs)
1: focused on the name that I think he was just happy to get through I really
0: was. So hockey graphs, my apologies. Thanks so much for coming on. You are uh, a a Philly fan. Is that safe to say? Uh,
2: It's safe to say that. I guess I would say that maybe not a fan, but I want them to win. And and that's sort of what makes my life terrible. So, you
0: know. Mm. All right. So my first question is defend your team. Like the existence of it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I would say that, you know, first of all, I didn't choose this life. It was uh, thrust upon me by growing up in South Jersey. Um, But insofar is that as I have to defend my team, I will say that there are some very exciting young players playing for the Flyers right now. Um, And many of them are injured at the moment. But, you know, they... uh, Philadelphia Sports. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you have guys like Gosses Fair Spare, Provorov, uh Moran, Sanheim, um, Nolan Patrick, um, all sorts. Lindvall might come up eventually. So it's it's a really exciting time, actually, to be a Flyers fan. Um, but then, you know, Ghost just got injured and Moran's also injured. So it's kind of a mess a little bit. But um, the, the fundamental aspect of it, like I, I just think, um, you know, this year... And in the next couple of years, it's definitely going to be a different kind of Flyers team than maybe you're used to seeing, um, with the exception of, like, guys like Drew and Simmons and stuff, uh, definitely still uh, being big contributors, hopefully.
0: Definitely hate Wayne what? Simmons, but before yeah. – uh, yeah, we'll get into that. But before we move on to some some great questions, I do want to ask you, how has Nolan Patrick looked this year? Is he adjusting well?
2: Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, um, he's looked great and also played well. That's my favorite joke. Um, but, um, <laughs> hey. but no, genuinely, yeah, um, he has looked good. Although again, uh, another injury issue there with, um, he's been dealing with a concussion recently. Uh, but when he's been on the ice, um, you know, I've been very impressed, uh, you know, with his poise, with his confidence, um, I, you know, it, it's one of those things where like anything he does for us is just sort of completely unbelievably amazing. Given that like we never expected to even have him at all. Oh uh, yeah, he, yeah, you guys like... almost
0: made the playoffs. Congratulations. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's like this time last year um, when I was like sort of. I mean, I always assume that basically the Flyers will get the second wild card or like just miss it. So in my mind, I'm always like, we're gonna pick like 15 um and then so you know I look at the the kind of uh first round picks who are projected to go in that like mid-round range and I'm looking at guys like Yamamoto and Suzuki and I'm like all right like that that's what I'm hoping for and then it's like you get to the draft lottery and it's like no we have the second overall pick I I mean I I lost my mind it was like insane it was amazing I was so happy um and, and you know I think uh I think he's living up to it as long as he can stay healthy, which was always the concern about Nolan Patrick. And, and unfortunately, you know, this one isn't even like you can say that it's uh, sort of, quote unquote, his fault because really he just got hit hard and uh, he's dealing with those uh, concussion issues that happen all too often nowadays. But, uh, you know, hope for the best with that.
0: We traded a number one C for the seventh pick and that's going really well for our team. So we're we're really having a great time. Everything's been awesome.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, your your team's been doing great in a number of ways. I think recently. Oh yeah. Uh, if I'm
0: wrong. <laughs> number one in like yeah. turnovers and exciting yeah. losses. And a, it's uh, been
1: a, it's been just a fantastic season so far. They wouldn't change a thing about it. Um, Let <laughs> I me. Mean, I'm going to circle back to the draft point because I want to get back to you. But obviously, people who listen to us are very familiar with how Ryan and I feel about the Flyers. How is <laughs> what what is the what is the casual Flyer fan slash. I'm not really a fan, but this team makes me miserable. Opinion of the Rangers. How does it work the other way for you?
2: Um. Well, you know, I think there's a general dislike there, obviously. Um. But but you know, in my mind, it, it doesn't even remotely compare to teams like you know the Penguins, for example. Um. This season you know i think it's it's a sense of relief almost because like you go into every season recently and you you're sort of like okay the met a metro is going to be like a bloodbath basically and then so it's kind of a relief that like okay every single team isn't good this year um the rangers at least are sucking a little bit so you, i well, think so it's, it's a lot <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's the general thing. I actually checked and and we're not, uh, playing each other till, uh, January, I believe. So, so maybe you guys have time to get back on your feet before the, uh.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll have a new coach. That'd be fantastic. (laughs) Um, but you brought up, you brought up the draft and that's kind of your expertise. Uh, stuff that I've read from you in the past has been about analyzing different players from different leagues, either in Europe or the juniors in Canada. How, how does that work for you as in? just to maybe focus it a little bit more. How are you able to compare a player from the Swedish Super League with someone who's having a great year in juniors?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a really big question just for, like, any context in terms of draft analysis that, like, you know, I don't really have even a great answer for you right now, and it's something that, like, I'm just – constantly working towards uh because you know when i started doing draft analysis some of the really interesting projects were kind of limited to canadian juniors um and and so they're saying okay you know within um this context of just like canadian junior players we know that maybe like teams are kind of undervaluing just like pure point production or something like that and like that's a really interesting um finding but then it's like how does that um sort of relate to what a Swedish guy or Russian guy is doing overseas um, and and that's something that I'm literally working towards right now but it's always been a goal more general goal of my draft analysis to just make sure that I'm including everyone and you know it sounds like silly and simplistic but it's actually like a really hard thing to do um, I would say that um, sometimes even like with these types of things it's you kind of there's a tendency to, I think, even go overboard to kind of mentally compensate for these types of things. Like, for example, like birthday effects and just thinking about ages. Um, so you're sort of like, okay, like if this guy has an early birthday, like we really, you know, don't, um, rate him as well at all. But I think like people are almost going in the other direction with that. And like, there've been some recent examples of like early birthdays, um, that have still been. still been pretty good players. I think Yamamoto was an example of that. Um, And same thing with like comparing um, European players um, if they're playing in in higher level leagues like the KHL and they're like not um, scoring many points and you're like, but maybe he's still good. And then it's like, yeah, but maybe he's not good. So it's, it's a challenge. um, And, you know, we don't always have all the data that we want, um, but I think it's probably the area of analytics um, in the hockey world, that has the most like room for improvement, um, and so that's what really like drew me to it. Um, as, soon as, you,
1: as soon as you said early birthday, yeah, I think early. every Ranger fan's brain triggers and immediately thinks of Philip Hedl. Craig, uh, I know you were doing a little extra work on Hedl today. How does how does that early birthday factor come into mind for you? Because here's a guy the Rangers take twenty first overall this year, but almost it seemed like almost everyone was in agreement that if this guy was a couple weeks older and was eligible for next year's class, he's probably a top 10 pick.
2: Yeah. I mean, so, so it's a, it's a pick that I'm completely fascinated with um, because, you know, I think you can say at this point that it looks like a good pick, you know, Um, he obviously um, isn't in the NHL anymore, but um, from what I, have heard he's doing pretty well in Hartford, correct? Mm-hmm,
0: that yeah. is correct. He's lighting it up. Yeah, he's
1: got about he's averaging about a point a game. He's had like two three point games as well.
2: Yeah. So so in that context it it looks great. And and so, you know, you can say that the the birthday effect um combined with, you know, just being European, um, he fell uh to the Rangers, you know, at twenty first, right? Uh but but what it intrigues me though is just like I think um, he was rated much lower by most you know, publications uh, beforehand. I think um, it's a little bit of an off the board pick in some sense. Um, and, and so you kind of wonder like, would he have been around later on? Because uh, that's actually the, um, one of my f- first projects was about that idea of like, if a pick is around, is going to be around later on, you kind of want to wait to get him, but how much can you wait, et cetera. Um, and so that, that was really what fascinated me, um, about this one. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, it, you can say like, what ifs, and like what if they could have waited, you know, till the second round or something like that. But, um, at the end of the day, obviously a, a good prospect in the hand is, you know, worth two theoretical ones. So, um, so yeah, I actually, um, what I was looking up about, uh, he till was, um, the probability that he would, uh, play his first NHL game, like, when he did, which is basically the first game, right?
1: Yep. Um,
2: And it it was incredibly low. Um, uh, And, you know, I should contextualize this by saying that I've been trying to, like, measure development timelines uh, more recently, presented some work uh, on that um, at the uh, RIT Hockey Analytics Conference. And, um, you know, one of the nice things is I can come up with these sort of development curves uh, for every prospect. Um, and I looked at the curve that was projected for him and it was only, I think, uh, like a 7% chance that he would play, um, his first NHL game, you know, in his first basically opportunity to do so. Um, but then... But then, obviously, you know he got sent down. So I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm very like curious actually to hear uh, your perspectives on him as well because like to me he's just like this like really weird, interesting data point.
0: Craig, uh, <laughs> I'll let you take this. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think describing him as a really weird and interesting data point is a pretty apt description of what he could be this season for the Rangers if he was playing in the NHL. If Hito's problem when he was here is Av just didn't play him. Right, and if he was going to break camp with the Rangers and then not get, he was originally put in on the second line between Nash and Zuccarello. So Ranger fans thought, Jesus, we're going to give this kid a complete and total opportunity to run with the job. And for whatever reason, he, Av played him less than fifteen minutes total in his first two games, and his third game he was a healthy scratch for a seventh defenseman. So right. I, your your guess is as good as mine. Uh, he's in layman's terms, I think lighting it up with Hartford. I don't know if people expected him to play this well, this quickly in the AHL, especially considering he's 18. Um, But yeah, he's, he's dominated the line he's been playing with and he's not exactly playing with uh, guys I'd consider extremely talented in terms of what they could do in the NHL, but he's still making something out of it. Um, it, Yeah, the way, I, I think if you if you told Ranger fans that Philip had a seven percent chance of playing opening night the moment we drafted, and we'd been like, that feels high. Yeah, I don't, right? I don't think any Ranger fan assumed he was breaking camp with the team. And then when he did, every Ranger fan got excited. And then A-V-A-V'd him, and we didn't see him ever again. Yeah,
2: um, I, it just like in a very general sense, like just you know going on Corsica and, and looking up some season stats for you guys. I'm just so confused by everything. You know, like, yeah, I true. didn't expect when I looked up, like, the, the D pairings for the answer to be like, we don't know what the D pairings are. And I was like, okay. Oh,
1: oh, are you saying it, it's too obvious to run McDonough and Shattenkirk together and let everything else <laughs> I, figure itself out?
2: You know, being, being the very, um, you know, uninitiated, like, flyer centric you know, hockey analyst that I am, mm-hmm. I just assumed that when you guys got Kevin Shattenkirk, you would maybe put him with uh, McDonough. <laughs>
1: Crazy. That's, that's insane. That thought never crossed our mind. <laughs> uh, it's it. Uh, it, it we, we could spend an hour complaining about what the Rangers have done um, with the lineup. And we have before. Um, well, actually, we do
0: that every week, Rick.
1: I don't know if you know that. <laughs> we, we did it. We did it earlier today. We'll be quite honest. Uh, there's another point I wanted to circle back to you yep. about young players getting drafted in the NHL. It seems like for whatever reason, younger players in the draft for hockey are devalued because of their age. Whereas you look at if a player is coming out of college in the NCAA for basketball and he's got a late birthday. So he enters the draft in June still as an 18 year old, but has a year of college basketball under his belt. Teams value that more same mm-hmm. with baseball prospects. Like the younger, the later your birthday is in baseball, it feel, teams feel like they're squeezing more out of you talent-wise and development-wise, why is it in hockey that the younger you are, it seems to diminish your star a little bit?
2: I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question. I think that um, it it comes back to, you know, there was this whole thing about, like, are overagers the next market inefficiency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, according to my research, um, you know, if you're 19, 20 years old and you get drafted – um and you know this isn't quite as i guess granular as like the earlier late birthday thing but I, I think it's still relevant um you know if you consider overagers who might have like a year of like college hockey under their belts or something like that um if you're older um you are more likely to play in the nhl sooner you know i've, I've seen that in my model um but then then the next question is like is that really valuable um and it and the answer is not just saying, yes, it is, because um, there is, I think, some evidence to suggest that, you know, while they might be making it and playing, um, the, the quality of those minutes that they're playing uh, may not be as, you know, helpful to their team as their kind of 18-year-old counterparts, right? So right. I think... Um, And I think that comes back to like a really fundamental idea and something that I advocate for a lot in terms of analytics with the draft is that we have to move away from the really easy, um, I guess, response variables or or the things that we're trying to predict and optimize. Um, And so if you're trying to predict and optimize something like, you know, NHL games played, because that's really easy to measure and it's really easy to see. Um, then you might start advocating for drafting players who are, you know, maybe not so skilled, but capable of, of giving you fourth line minutes and capable of of racking up a ton of games, right? Um, mm-hmm. I call that sort of the the Tom Wilson principle. <laughs> um, and you know, to to the point that like I, I don't want my team, and, and you probably don't want your team um, drafting a bunch of uh, Tom Wilsons, like it's important to move beyond that benchmark and try to see like, okay, how can we actually optimize player quality and how can we think about drafting as a way to draft, you know, really valuable players to our team. Um, Then you start to understand that the answers to the questions like, Oh, are overagers the new market inefficiency is really probably, you know, not quite.
1: So maybe some of it is, of compared to other GMs and other sports, maybe hockey general managers are just more afraid of swinging and missing. Like if they see a player and they know this guy will play in the NHL, that has more inherent value to them than taking a chance on maybe a European prospect who has a very high ceiling, but could also crash and burn.
2: Absolutely. And, and I don't know if maybe they're, they're more risk averse, but they certainly are risk averse. Right. Um, And, you know, it's all about like, the way that they're evaluated too, right? Like if we're looking at just their track record of drafting, which people do very often, and and you see a guy who's drafted a lot of players, who's played a lot of NHL games, you're like, okay, that looks great. Um, so, you know, it's like all throughout, um, all levels of basically analysis, whether it's from the fan side or or the organization side, there's definitely, I think, a, a tendency towards like prioritizing things that, allow you to make very risk averse um choices and and that's something that i want to move away from but i understand like how hard it is right like when i'm pitching you know my model to a team and i'm like okay like this is going to basically be a swing and a miss a lot of the time but sometimes it won't be and sometimes you'll get you know maybe the next johnny gaudreau or something like that Um,
1: Look at that! You going right for the South Philly (laughs) yet? Unbelievable!
2: I I'm legally uh obliged to mention him in every uh, podcast appearance. Actually,
1: I haven't Um, heard Mike Trout's name yet. So you, that's that's our job
0: to be honest with you. We talk about Mike Trout every podcast, like uh, not on purpose. It just happens.
1: (laughs) Mike Trout, the perfect human being. He has one flaw, and his flaw is he was from South Jersey.
0: Also, that he's boring as hell. But whatever.
2: Oh my gosh! I I I have to leave right now. Actually. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, going back to the the whole thing is just like, it, it's a tough sell to, to, to tell a team that they should try to swing for the fences more often, even though, you know, analytically, and I, I've proven this a dozen ways, like it's the right way to go. Um, but when your job is on the line, you know, it's, it's tough.
0: You just don't do it. You, It's hard to make those risky Picks, and you don't see teams do it often enough. Would you consider leas Anderson a risky pick?
2: Um, I can't remember. Was
0: he? He's the. Uh, he was the seventh overall pick by the Rangers. He's from Sweden. He's eighteen. Oh. He went right yeah. after Cody Glass, which I'm assuming yeah. was one of the picks that uh, the Rangers would have liked to had.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I can't remember with him whether um where where he was projected roughly. Okay. Um,
0: no problem. I just wanted to see if I could pick your brain on uh, that.
2: Oh no, I meant like, um, yeah, I, I I would think that there were a lot of guys that people would have assumed that the Rangers would have taken at that pick, though. I mean, you know, just looking at at the guys who who went right after, and and most famously someone like Villardi, who you know fell so far. Um, so, but but I'm always a fan of. I don't know. I think that overall, um, European guys have been. You know, there's some evidence to suggest that they've been kind of underdrafted to a certain extent. So, like, if I'm, you know, this is like a heuristic, but, like, if I'm not sure about a pick, but I see that, you know, he's European and, and maybe underscouted a little bit, like, that definitely lends itself to me being like, okay, this could turn out better um, than it you is, might expect.
1: It is interesting with Anderson, though, because he kind of fits right into what you were describing about teams. um looking for the new market inefficiency, because as soon as the Rangers drafted him, it seemed almost unanimous that nobody thought Anderson was going to be a top-line center. But almost everyone was like, one, if the Rangers needed him to play right now, he probably could. And two, he seems like he'll be at worst the third-line center. And it almost was like the Rangers' front office valued the fact that this guy looks like he's going to be able to play in the NHL sooner rather than later, than possibly going for someone with a higher ceiling like you mentioned Velarde.
2: Yeah, I mean I see that he's 19 right now so you know that's another kind of makes you sort of question um kind of the whether they were really swinging for the fences there, right? Um but um yeah, I, honestly like I totally as soon as they drafted like uh hetail I was like this is the thing that I care about that the Rangers did this round so I That's completely- totally fine.
0: It's he's obviously the higher ceiling guy. Uh, he could be Uh, a franchise player possibly. Um, but you know, like you said, he's a very interesting data point and we'll see what happens with him.
2: Yeah. But I mean, you know, with, with the seventh overall pick, I definitely think that there were kind of more interesting options out there. Um, you know, not having like personally seen Anderson to a great degree, but I just think like more so like different directions that they could have gone in. Like, I mean, and, and maybe this is a product of like, me constantly seeing Leafs fans on my timeline that they can't shut up about, like Willie Green, for example. Right. So, I was like, just
0: about to ask: Is that the guy yeah. that we're going to regret not taking?
2: <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of hype surrounding him. Um, it, it's definitely the type of pick that I would sort of, in a in a very broad sense, advocate for. Um, just because you know, w- when you see a guy who everyone is talking about. Um, and then, you know, for one reason or another, whether it's like injury or like mono or, or whatever it is, um, they stopped talking about him as much. It's like his skill didn't disappear out of nowhere. Right. Um, you know, that, that was the, the point that I made with Nolan Patrick, um, is that he was injured, um, last year. And then he went from being the unanimous first overall pick to being like first or second. And it's like, you know, he didn't get worse at hockey. Um, There was some sort of setback. And so to the extent that you think that it's a setback that can be, you can move beyond, you know, with injury and illness, that is, you know, usually hopefully the case. um, That's the kind of sort of quote unquote inefficiency that you want to take advantage of and, and see other people pass him by and, and scoop him up. But, uh, I feel like but that
0: happens in every sport, like something little is wrong with a guy and he falls like I, I this is a terrible example of like Paul Pierce, like 20 years ago, like they were like, oh, he has like questionable stuff. And then he was like, he fell to nine. And people this happens every time in all the sports, people have like these little like they're sick a little bit or like they were in an injury and these guys just fall. Uh, Lucas Giolito is another one in baseball. He fell like to 21st. Um, And he just had he had a surgery the year before. And that's why these guys that were star prospects their whole lives the year before the draft, they get hurt. And then you get the advanced value from that.
1: Oh, Ryan, if I've said it once, I've said it a 100 times. Just be careful who you make out with when you're about to get drafted in the NHL. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) your body is is worth a lot of money. Please be careful. That's all I'm (laughs) saying.
2: Um, I just want to share something that I think might make you guys uh, feel a little bit better. Um, the Flyers are currently losing to the Coyotes.
1: <laughs> oh, oh no, that's great, because I bet on the Flyers tonight. So that, <laughs> that doesn't make me feel better at all, actually. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, I, that, yeah, great. Awesome. <laughs> Fucking hate the Flyers. Only confirmed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They wanted to piss you off in in whatever way they could. They do
1: that in every possible way,
0: every single day.
1: I see the orange and I get triggered. Like other people have other things in their life that triggers them. As soon as I see a Flyers jersey, like something happens to my body where it's just like the eye starts twitching. Things start happening. I don't. I I just have to like shut down. Well, so, so are away. there
2: teams that you hate more though? No. I'm, I'm...
1: <laughs> no, Flyers. I, I. It's funny because as a Ranger fan, we should almost hate the Islanders more We they right there.
2: they're so irrelevant.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. They're like our maybe younger brother. So they don't they don't bother me as much. Um, the Canadians. Annoy me, but I wouldn't say they. I hate them. I don't hate the cats. I don't hate the 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 Flyers, the Flyers are the clear number one. For me, it's
0: the for me it's the Penguins, but I love Phil Kessel so much; it's really tough.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, like you know, uh, for Flyers fans, I I would say that the Rangers don't occupy that same like headspace for us because just like the Penguins occupy ninety nine percent of our like hating capacity, at at least for me personally. so uh, that that's pretty funny to me. but
1: uh. it, it could very easily just be a, a Philly bias I have because my number one, I ride or die with the Mets and the Phillies uh. goes, goes way back with Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard. So mm-hmm. I think I've hated the Phillies so much in my life. It's just bled over into other things. The Eagles don't bother me. The 76ers don't bother me. But the the Phillies and the Flyers, I like – there, there are things that I just I can't. You're even,
0: the first I don't Philly see. fan that's ever been on this podcast. We're 102 episodes deep, <laughs> and you, you're the first one. So congratulations!
2: Yeah, you guys are putting me through the ringer, but no, it's totally understandable. Um, and I think in in sort of a, a broader sense, like across all sports, that kind of like New York Philly rivalry is definitely, definitely there, definitely important. Um,
1: I think it's I think it's underrated. I think everyone thinks New York Boston, but I think New York Philly is a just a deep seated hate.
2: Yeah. Well, so for me it's like, you know, the Giants I can't stand them. So um across all sports there is definitely
0: cuz the Giants like, are so boring. You're the worst. <laughs> do,
1: do you want do you want a trick that'll piss off giant fan friends in your life?
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um any time someone brings up the Giants, this year it's easy because they they're so terrible, but anytime someone brings up the Giants and Eli Manning, just look them dead in the eye and say the Giants would have won more Super Bowls with Philip Rivers
0: and it's, it's it's a hot take and it works
1: it works it, it triggers every giant fan i know and it's it's my go-to as soon as a giant fan starts pissing me off i'll be like you know they'd be better with philip rivers
0: and if you really think about it it's kind of true uh, all right we've taken up a lot of your time and i appreciate you coming on but we're gonna get to some nonsense before the podcast we kind of warned you about some philly stuff i've been spending a lot of time in philly uh, recently so i have to ask the question that everyone wants to know pastor genos
2: I always just say Wawa. Um like I, I told you before <laughs> like I don't have the time to go down to Patsrigno's um and sort of uh taste test every variant although they're both very good. Um but you know, for me being a Philly native is like the fact that like at 2 a.m. while I'm like doing, you know, homework or coding or whatever, um I can go down to Wawa and get like a cheesesteak or a mac and cheese bowl with chicken strips on top. Uh. Sorry, <laughs> that
0: sounds so I, good right I'm, now.
1: I also tell my parents at 2 a.m. that I'm doing homework or coding, so I can relate to that as well. <laughs>
2: um, I mean, it, it's more true than you might expect. Recently, just because I've, I've been doing all these draft projects, but uh, but definitely, what uh, for whatever reason that you might be up at 2 a.m. Um, I'm just such a such a proponent of Wawa, and I'm actually very uh, very sad that i won't be able to go to wawa very often next year because i will be living in the new york area
0: welcome to new york (laughs) it's been waiting for you all right um you have bodegas then you'll like those and they're everywhere you can't you can't escape them and then (laughs) uh i do have to ask this you're an analytics person uh what what candy is on the rise right now in the spirit of halloween what candy is coming up the charts
2: Candy, oh my gosh!
0: Or what, what's 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 rank, what's the top of your prospect board on candy?
2: Well, so you know what I oftentimes I go to uh, Milky Way and Three Musketeers.
0: Three Musketeers and underrated, I believe. I
2: was just gonna say that I love Three Musketeers bars. I think that you know they have a, a simple quality to them that I think people underrate, but they're always delicious. They're not too heavy. They always hit the spot. So, you know, my, my top prospect, Three Musketeers, you know, I, I think of them as, like, just, like, very, very good uh, defensive centers who can also put up points.
0: You know, we talked, <laughs> we talked about uh, prospects falling in the draft due to illnesses. And I think Three Musketeers falls in the candy rankings because of bad marketing. Three Musketeers needs to change it's actual name. I feel like if Three Musketeers was labeled as Great Candy Bar, it just skyrockets up. Like top, <laughs> like, top Line Center is a great name for a candy bar. Let's just do it. Switch it up, Three Musketeers. I'm just Absolutely. calling them out. That's all.
1: I, I have a hot take on Three Musketeer Bars. You,
0: you hate it. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me quickly say that I love Three Musketeer Bars, so wow. this comes from a place of love.
0: Okay. okay. Um,
1: however, unlike other candies, I feel like Three Musketeer Bars make me thirstier than other candies. Interesting. Like I feel like when I'm eating a Three Musketeer bar, I need a beverage near me. Whereas if I'm eating a Kit Kat bar, I'm good. I'm okay. I can do whatever I need to do.
0: Hmm. Uh well, you see, like you need you need like a glass of water after Three Musketeers. That's where you're going. Or like,
1: so if you have the the King Size bar, right? I judge everything on the King Size bar scale. Um, it's the KBSC or S oh, okay. KBS <laughs>
0: the KBS
1: K- whatever it's called. Uh, KSBS. That's it. The KSBS. When I'm eating a king-size mil- uh, Three Musketeer bar, I feel like I get to about the 75% mark, I need a drink.
0: Okay, that's Whereas fair. Whereas if you're eating,
1: eating a king-size Milky Way or a Twix, I can get through the whole thing, I'm good.
0: I think I feel the same um, way with king-size Snickers. Like a- After like three bites of the king-size Snickers, I'm like, I need at least a glass of milk or I'm going to die here. <laughs> it's, it's, i'll just choke up all right uh and then we have to ask you this kind of question we ask everyone even though we've kind of been slacking on this recently uh i i, I blame only myself i seriously do too i only bring greg on anything uh is a hot dog a sandwich for you
2: oh my gosh okay i mean do we have another hour to discuss this no.
0: The good news we have all night
2: <laughs> <laughs> um i say no
1: Mm, classic philly classic philly fan response clap
0: it team ryan thank you so much
2: (laughs) um and i I do have some thoughts on this um i think that you know when you're answering this question you have to do it from a very kind of applied and practical mentality so Mm. if i ask someone i love this I this. i ask someone hey go get me a sandwich yes and they come back With a hot dog, I'm gonna be like, that's I didn't ask you to get me a hot dog. Yes, 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 yes.
1: (laughs) But under under We have broken this down
2: on the
0: podcast, this is the exact same logic. I fucking however
1: (laughs) I I counter every time someone brings this up, I counter with why would you ever just ask for a generic sandwich? Like they could bring you back anything. They could bring you back cheese between two slices of bread and be like, sandwich?
2: Yeah, that counts.
1: I I I I just I just this sounds like to me this sounds like you would draft a um twenty year old defensive prospect who played his overage season in the juniors <laughs> instead of taking a chance on something like Philadelphia <laughs>
0: and saying a hot dog is a sandwich this that's all been, I'm saying an incredible food related hockey related podcast so far <laughs> uh,
2: Listen- yeah well. I, I stand by it. I think uh, for all intents and purposes, a hot dog is not a thing.
0: Namita, my that, favorite Philly yeah, person every, of all time. Yeah,
1: every, everyone, everyone's allowed to be wrong every now and then. So it's
0: <laughs> You take a swig of a miss. Namita, uh, you said we play each other again in January. Would you be happy to come back on and talk shit to each other at that point in time?
2: Absolutely.
0: That's great. Thanks for coming on so much. Uh, it's been a wonderful time. And uh, teaching me about stuff I don't know anything about, including prospects.
2: <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Hopefully that guys that uh, distracted you guys from the reality of nope. the rain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nope. Still no, very sad. Not.
1: Somehow this conversation just made me hate A B more.
0: Uh, that's every conversation. <laughs> Namita, before you go, let's plug your Twitter.
2: Absolutely. At NNStats, I tweet about uh, prospects usually, but all sorts of graphs about hockey as well as various hot takes. So uh, yeah, go for it. At
0: NN Stats. NN Stats, thank you so much. We'll we'll talk to you in January. Thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, thanks for having
0: me. See you later. Bye bye. Hey, welcome back. That was a great interview with Namita. She's awesome. The only one of the few people from Philly I like. There are some other people in Philly I enjoy. I'll say that. Um, first um,
1: first Philly representative we've had on the podcast
0: ever, ever. Uh, and an amazing interview. And she, I actually learned a lot from her. So I hope you guys did too. We're going to talk about since it's Halloween uh, candy in a second. You and I, we like to talk we like to talk food in this podcast, a little bit of nonsense, which we've been lacking of lately, I have to say. Um, but uh, before we do that, I do. I know you haven't watched this. The World Series has been phenomenal.
1: Unreal, the World Series. And I, I, I honestly don't think I've watched a single inning of it.
0: Which is crazy because last night I had the game on, game five. Well, two nights ago, if you're listening to this on, on Halloween. Uh, I was sitting in my bed, very, very tired. And I was like, this game is pretty good. Quayton Kershaw is pitching. It's 4 nothing by the Dodgers. And I'm like... Man, this game's over. I'm, like, considering turning it off and going to bed. I was like, Clayton Kershaw's pitching, whatever. All of a sudden, the Astros come back and tie it, and then I'm I'm strapped in for the ride of my life. The Greg, the balls are juiced. That's what I'm going to say right now. They're definitely juiced.
1: They are. Uh, I don't know if they're juiced. I mean, Minute Maid has always been a hitter's paradise.
0: No, dude. They're, they're, like, you can't. The ink doesn't even go into the balls. People are having a hard time signing the balls. People who throw sliders can't throw them because the balls are so slippery. Like there, there's a lot of evidence here that say those balls are juiced, and these hitters are destroying the ball. Like Bellinger looks amazing. Every hitter on the Astros look amaz- amazing. Altuve is hitting like he's at seven, eight home runs already in the World Series. Like it's actually crazy. So I, I wish other the postseason. I that was maybe a top five baseball game of all time for me. If you haven't had a chance to go to, to watch it, please do your favor and watch the extended highlights. And I know you already know the the results, but the actual craziness of the amount of home runs and, and lead switches and pitchers who just got lit up. And poor Brendan Morrow, dude. And that feels weird to say. Brandon Morrow, who was uh, not the best starting pitcher, but was been an absolute stud relief pitcher, pitched for the third game in a row, came out. And uh, Dave Roberts came out and was like, I'm not pitching Brendan Morrow tonight. He's unavailable at all costs. Brendan was like, you know what? I, I can pitch. And I, my body feels good. Probably the worst postseason outing of all time. Uh, came up and let two home runs up and a wild pitch and a double taken out of the game. And I feel so bad for the guy, but his body wasn't ready. And as a worst, manager – Worst
1: postseason pitching appearance of all time, I think Rick Ankeel has a bone to pick with you, yeah, sir. Yeah,
0: probably. It was up there, though. That's what I'm saying.
1: And uh, um, Yeah, I also need to apologize to Kenley Jansen because I went on record saying mm-hmm. that he's had a two-year run better than any other reliever in baseball history. And I stand by that uh, regular season take. <laughs> Like Kenley, Kenley Jensen's last two years as a relief pitcher have statistically been maybe the greatest of all time. Better than Mariano's, uh, but yeah, he's been bad in the World Series. I don't think there's any other way around it. He's
0: been awful these last two games. And
1: and that and you know what? That is the one thing that made Mo Mo. Um, don't get me wrong. Mo wasn't perfect either. People always forget Game Seven, two thousand one World Series. You
0: say people always forget, but people don't forget.
1: Uh, it's not brought up as much as you think. I don't think 2004, the it's ALCS, is brought up a lot. People, uh, you know, people talk about the Red Sox comeback a lot. I don't feel like they talk about Mariano blowing the games as much as they should. Mariano's not perfect, but
0: Damn, his success
1: rate in the postseason was like 90.
0: It was actually
1: and crazy. The fact that it was even that high is the reason why he's the greatest of all time. That doesn't change the statistical fact. That Kenley Jansen's two-year run the last two years has been arguably the best of all time. It is better than Kimbrell's first two full years as a closer, which I, in my mind was the number one. It has eclipsed that. So the fact that Kenley is not able to do this in the World Series is
0: striking. It's, uh, it's really strange. I think Kenley does throw a nasty slider, and that's kind of gone out of his repertoire because of the balls. I know I'm blaming a lot of stuff on this, but... The the games itself, this whole series. I thought Game Two was phenomenal when they hit back to back home runs to win the game, like Altuve, Correa. You couldn't write this stuff. The stuff that happened in Game Five, if you were like writing a movie, the director would be like, "We can't, we can't put this in, dude. This is too cheesy. This would never happen." And all of it happened three times over. So if you're not watching the World Series, make sure you watch Game Six. If it's Halloween, it's gonna be wild. Uh, I expect to go to go Game Seven. I really do. Um,
1: I, I don't. I I don't. I don't see Verlander you think losing. Think Verlander shutting the door. Yeah. I let me I'll put it this way. Okay. I expect the Astros to win tomorrow with Verlander on the mound. If the Dodgers win, I don't see any way the Dodgers lose game seven.
0: I also agree. God, the series has been so good. All right. Uh everyone out there enjoy the enjoy the World Series. I certainly have been. It's it's reigniting my love for baseball. I love postseason baseball, man. It's so good. I, I don't know what it is. It just has that, that tension that that magical moment, it's like a thousand little stories just building on a, on the, upon each other. The
1: baseball, baseball playoffs, when your favorite team is in them, is completely different than any other playoffs I've watched. Um, when the Mets were in the playoffs – yeah, here we go, oh, Met reference. Hey. We're, like, we're like an hour and a half into this podcast. I haven't had one yet. Um, when the Mets are in the playoffs, it feels like someone is standing on my chest the entire time. From the first pitch, I, I just feel anxious. Whereas when the Rangers are playing hockey, the only times I feel anxious in the playoffs is when they're on the penalty kill. And then it feels like – but the same thing can be said in the regular season. Anytime the Rangers are on the penalty kill, it's like my body instinctively thinks they're going to give up a goal. In, with baseball, from the first pitch onward, that's how I feel at all times. Just it, it, I, Anything can happen on any pitch. There's no predictability in baseball. So it's just a different stress that doesn't exist in any other sport with with basketball with hockey, with football there's enough variables and I wouldn't say downtime, but there are certain things you know are going to happen before usually a big scoring play happens like there's build up to it mm-hmm. and all the buildup is literally the next
0: pitch It's instant oh man it's been so good as a fan like, i i don't I, I would love either team to win I actually like both teams a lot. Both teams are really fun. I love Altuve. I love Correa. I love Bellinger. I'm not a big Kershaw guy, but I respect him.
1: As, um, soon, as, as soon as the Dodgers left Grandison off the World Series roster, I wanted Beltron to get his ring. And I still want Beltron to get his ring. Okay. Uh, and, of course, anything to keep Chase Utley from having happiness in his life is A-okay in my book.
0: Yeah, I know that. Uh, let's go through Forbes released a top 10 worst candies, most hated candy choices to give out on Halloween, and the top 10 most liked. We're going to go through them very quickly. All right, me. you ready? So, top ten least want more or most hated candies, least popular. Number one, almond joy. Nope. All right, so uh, number ten is Mary Jane's. I don't. I didn't know what these were. They're like shitty peanut butter flavored treats. Number. I don't know. Sounds, sounds like weed.
1: Sounds like I'd have a lot of fun with it.
0: Uh, it sounds like a good time. I'm not gonna get into that. Good and or number nine, which are the licorice nope. wrapped hard candies. Who gives nope. these out? Licorice? Who gives I've that never, out?
1: Never had them before. I I like Twizzlers. Um, good and plenty's I've never even heard of.
0: Number seven is so far
1: over oh for, over oh for two on the wait. You've you've done two. How are we on number seven? Oh,
0: right? Mary Jane's good and plenty's and licorice is number eight. Just licorice, licorice like generic
1: licorice, not black licorice, not not to, not to
0: be confused with red Twizzlers. However, that's what it says.
1: Yeah, black licorice. I don't understand it. It's like taking something good and making it just instinctively the opposite.
0: Don't get it. Here's a controversial one. And it's seven Smarties. Interesting. Smarties yeah, like... not a
1: Smarties guy. It's not really
0: a candy mine. I, not a Smarties What guy, Smarties do? But does it deserve to be, like, on the, the most hated list for giving yeah, out? because what does it do? What it, does actually, it do? It actually doesn't do anything. It's like, it's like, it's, a, it's it's like, like a stuffer. Why even,
1: why even eat Smarties?
0: It doesn't really make sense, because number six is Tootsie Rules. And I'm not... Yeah, no, I agree with that. I hate Tootsie Rules. I, I agree. Uh...
1: Tootsie rolls is an embarrassment to chocolate. Flavor, in my mind.
0: flavored Tootsie rolls are actually pretty good, depending on which ones you get. But regular Tootsie rolls, just I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm, There's I'm, nothing in this world
1: more disgusting than a Tootsie Pop.
0: The, the lollipops with the stuff in the center.
1: Yeah, disgusting.
0: I, uh, how many bites though? Through two, three?
1: A two. I never want to know because I don't want three? to get to the center.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a fan either. Number five is Mary Jane's again. They call them peanut butter kisses. They're another form of Mary Jane's. It, it made the list twice. That's crazy. Wow.
1: Uh, something, someone fucked up and fucked with Forbes from Mary Jane Poor here's, guys.
0: here's what I think should be number one and this is number four on this list it's Nico Wafers I feel like Nico Wafers formula hasn't changed in 90 years and it's just I've like I've never heard of this candy are you serious so I, oh nah. they, they come in like this weird chalky paper uh, they're like cool. they're like a hard candy and they're terrible um, no
1: never never heard of them before
0: here's my here's the one I have the most gripe with on this list number three is wax coke bottles I love <laughs> the wax coke bottles
1: Never heard of that either. What,
0: Craig? All right, so there's like these wax Coke bottles they give out and they have like a little like disgusting but kind of delicious uh, liquid inside. And you like bite the top off the bottle and suck the liquid out.
1: What the fuck? What are you doing? I just – Why like, would you do that? As
0: a kid and you like chew on the wax because you're, you're a kid and you don't know anything any better. Um,
1: wow. Well, yeah. I, I think less of you. Not just because of the words you decided to use but because you think this is a good candy. This sounds miserable. First of all, Coke, not great. Second, no, no, no!
0: It's not Coke. They're like they look like Coke bottles. They have a bunch of different flavors, like they have strawberry and blueberry, and they're all in these I've little wax bottles.
1: What poverty-stricken neighborhood are you trick-or-treating in that this is a candy? You
0: you're got? you're coming to visit. You'll see it. Um, <laughs> it's not bad anymore. But let me tell you, growing up, whew, whew, number two is candy corn. I, candy I,
1: corn is an abomination. I
0: agree. It's it's over, everybody. <laughs> what, what's the fucking point? I don't get it. It's. It's like you tricked everyone to think it was good, and somehow people are like, ooh, novelty candy corn, and then they eat it every year, and they go, wow, this is disgusting. How do it, they do this? It is,
1: it is an abomination.
0: It's terrible. Uh, number one on this list is Circus Peanuts, and I agree. Like, peanuts? The, no, the orange, pink, chewy peanuts, they, they're they like the worst candy,
1: dude. Oh, I've seen them. I've never once been tempted to do eat it.
0: Do not do it. It is miserable.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. I put tootsie roll. I put tootsie, tootsie rolls up higher on that list. Tootsie rolls are disgusting. I don't understand people that like tootsie rolls.
0: I, I, I'll fight for wax bottles. Everything else is pretty appropriate. Now let's go to the most popular Halloween candies here. Uh, right. Top ten. We have number ten is a little bit of a surprise for me. Hershey bar. What? A plain Hershey
2: bar.
1: What's wrong? There's never a moment where you have a Hershey bar and you think eh, this I'm not going to eat this.
0: Yeah, you're right. Number. Every
1: time you have a Hershey bar, you're going to eat it.
0: That's that's true. It's just a standard. you can't really go wrong. It's safe. No,
1: it's it, it's a it's a three win player. You, you 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 wish it could be a little better, but at the same time, you're never going to say no to yeah, it. You're
0: not, happy, you're not happy, but you're not sad. Uh, number nine is Skittles.
1: Uh, yeah, I like Skittles.
0: Skittles are okay. I think they're.
1: I'll I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until I hear what's before it.
0: I, you're gonna you're gonna love number eight. I'm pretty sure. So okay, uh, it's not almond, If
1: it's almond joy, it's a, this list is ridiculous.
0: It is. It is not almond joy. It is sour patch kids.
1: Not a big Sour Patch Kids guy.
0: You're not? I thought you would be.
1: Not a, not a real sour candy guy,
0: I should say. Wait, warheads so. in school didn't do that? No,
1: no, never. I've never had a Warhead.
0: Oh, man. Warheads were brutal as a kid. You'd be like – you'd get peer pressure into eating them. You would sit around and be like, you've got to eat this Warhead, dude. You you would
1: get peer pressure into eating them. I'm comfortable enough in my own skin to say no to people.
0: Which is weird because I'm so comfortable in my own skin otherwise. But if someone dares me to eat something, I'll probably do it. That was like what my one flaw. Like, you won't eat this. Yeah, I will. I hey, I noticed you didn't eat
1: any food during the Ranger Coyote game. What's your problem?
0: I didn't. I was. I ate a slice of pizza before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, Butterfinger is number seven. I think that's okay. Not but but yeah. we've talked about Butterfinger before in this podcast. I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of hard out on Butterfinger. Not really. Yeah, about I'm,
1: it. I'm as well. I, I, I think our take was Reese's has perfected the peanut butter chocolate candy, so and I don't I, need to go anywhere else.
0: I don't need this. Number six is really weird. Nerds, dude. Nerds.
1: That doesn't make any sense to Why me. Are nerds, nerds doesn't deserve to be on this list. Nerds
0: doesn't do anything for me. Like, as a nerds, top, nerds as a top is ridiculous. 10, get the hell <laughs> get out of here. Get
1: it there. off my list. I'm, I'm out. I'm out on nerds. Get
0: the hell out of here, nerds. Uh, number five is M&Ms. That's fine, too. Can't go wrong with
1: M&Ms. Yeah, yeah M&Ms are the, always the good. Never, M&M. never a time in my life where I don't want M&Ms. Big
0: peanut M&M fan. Weakness of mine. when I was, I I'm when not a peanut
1: I'm M&M good. guy. Give me, give me just the original. me the original. Don't, no, crispy
0: fits you totally. Number four is Kit Kats. Again. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. this, is, this is weird. I might order some of these. You ever have Japanese Kit Kats? No. Okay, so they changed the formula for Japanese Kit Kats. And let me tell you, they're like crispier. I don't know what it is, but they're way more delicious. They're better than regular Kit Kats. Might have to get oh, those. Well,
1: I I think regular Kit Kats are the, uh, the bee's needs. Oh, I agree. So.
0: And the Japanese ones are even better, which is weird. Um, number three, we're flying through these. Number three is Twix. Part cookie, part cake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think
1: Twix is number one in my book.
0: Oh, I don't know. Because number two and two and one for me are real strong here. Number two right? is number two is Snickers. Big Snickers guy. You don't like P-Dudson, Uh, right? I,
1: Yeah, I'm not a Snickers guy.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Hungry? Why wait? Um, and Snickers is really like I, – I just think they're it's really elevated over the years. But again, as I said on the interview, you need some milk if you're going to eat a lot of them. Uh, I
1: understand everybody's love of Snickers. I just don't partake.
0: Number one is going to be a surprise for you, Greg. Okay. You want to take a guess?
1: If it's going to be a surprise for me,
0: yeah.
1: Well, let's see. We haven't said Starburst, which I think is a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we haven't said Reese's, which I think is a, a crime as well. Mm-hmm. I'll go Reese's.
0: It is Coco Loco. Can you believe that?
1: <laughs> well, see, now you're just lying. I
0: am. It's Reese's. You're right. <laughs> it's Reese's, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, no, Reese's, look. Reese's perfected the genre, so I think it deserves to be that high it, on the it list. Did. It has I'm to keep... not, I'm never like, it's very rare where I'm hankering a Reese's peanut butter cup, mm-hmm. but it, it's the best of at what it does, and it's clear. Like I think you can, you can argue Skittles and Starburst, you can argue uh, Twix and Kit Kat bars in a way, or Twix and Milky Ways. You can argue just about. Everything else. But there's no argument. Reese's Reese's won their uh, category.
0: Unless you hate peanut butter, like Reese's is, is an amazing – it's just dominated. It's a dominating candy.
1: If you're allergic to peanut butter, I just feel sorry for you. I feel – Your life is less enjoyable. I
0: actually broke up with a girl once when I was like in high school because she was allergic to peanut butter.
1: You don't, you don't get to enjoy Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I, you don't get to enjoy the simplicity that is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
0: I was terrified that I would like – because I love peanut butter and eat a lot of it. I was terrified we we like kiss after I ate peanut butter and I wouldn't realize and I'd send her to the hospital. And I couldn't take that kind of risk, Greg.
1: You're a weird man. I am, right?
0: I, I am a weird man, man. I really am. <laughs> um, this has been a great podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I love this one. Guys, happy Halloween. Oh, should mention before we well, go. I, yep. as you guys know, we're doing a special giveaway of a podcast worn jersey that I'm wearing right now as we speak. And <laughs> for Halloween, Greg and I don't know if you saw, you could see it at my at my Instagram, O Ryan Mead, O H Ryan Mead. Oh yeah, I, I saw
1: you're a hot dog for Halloween. I see, was a hot which dog, means for Halloween. you're a sandwich. For no,
0: Halloween except I'm say. not. I'm a hot dog. And yeah, you're I, a sandwich. I walked around the great city of Philadelphia as a hot dog. Some girl bit me. Without my consent, I will say that. And uh, I got hit on by uh, some people that were of uh, both genders. So that was also in, in a very nice time. And I didn't realize
1: Kevin Spacey was in New York.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> the blows. <laughs> he was trying to grab the wiener, Greg. And, uh, and we're raffling. Well, what, I, what I was
1: saying is you look 14.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. No, it's the beard, dude. I'm graying.
1: Come on. We man. should probably cut this part out of the
0: podcast. We probably will. I'll leave it in. Yeah, and probably leaving it in. Sorry. Probably leaving it in. But sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry. And uh, so I'm wearing the game. Uh,
1: we'll, we'll add, since we're leaving this part in, it's disgusting what he did. And those type of actions should be uh, prosecuted.
0: We talk about this, a nice plug, in our, our Patreon. Our extra 10 minutes, our extra 20 minutes, which has been recently. We've done, we, we said 10 minutes, but we always go 20. And uh, so that's for subscribers only. Go ahead and Patreon. Check that out. And I'm wearing the game worn, uh, the podcast worn jersey at this point in time. I'll be taking some pictures in the podcast war jersey in my hot dog costume. So we'll post those on Twitter on Halloween. So that'll be fun for us. And uh, and retweet our articles from Blue Shirts Breakaway or the podcast. Get a chance to enter. We have like what? We have like over 40 entrants at this point. So that's kind of nice.
1: 40? I, I don't think we have over 40. I
0: made that number up, but it sounded good, didn't it?
1: It, it sounded great. We I could th- get there. If I, the thought, stuck. I
0: seriously thought you'd play with it. So thanks thanks for calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. That's the plug. And I uh, really appreciate you, all you guys listening. have had some amazing feedback from you guys over the past couple of weeks. I think we've done some great work. So I, I love tooting our own horn recently too. What's up with me?
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So we've been stuck on 56 Patreon subscribers for a while now. I'd yeah. really like to make that 60. So we'll give f- us a dollar. We'll f- One dollar. Get us in the Discord. And uh, you'll have a good time, we promise.
2: Yeah,
0: we have great. The Discord's amazing, dude. I know we talk about it all the time. All right, let's get Discord, out of here. The
1: Discord's phenomenal, especially on game nights.
0: If you're uh, as you, if you're if at the beginning of this podcast, I did an ad uh, for a band called Animist who are playing in Brooklyn. I'm going to, After the accordion that we play every every week, I'm going to put a little snippet of their songs if you guys want to listen to that because uh, I promised one of our supporters that I would do that, and he's an awesome guy. And I'm, they're a prog metal band that I'm actually kind of feeling. If you're in Brooklyn, you have nothing to do with Thursday night. Go check them out. I, I plugged it at the beginning of the podcast. Really appreciate their support. And uh, we're going to go to that now. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us at Blue Church Break. Love you all. Bye bye.